Good morning, everyone. It is Friday, October 13th, 2017, and the weekend is just about upon us, which means a trip over to Minneapolis for the Green Bay Packers against the Vikings in a big NFC North clash. I am joined, as always, by Tom Silverstein. And Tom, it's Friday the 13th. Have you started shopping for your Halloween candy yet? I haven't. I take Halloween very seriously. I want to be a house that every kid wants to come to, you know, come with your football helmet upside down so I can fill it full of candy. Uh, I like Halloween. I just, I'm not one of those people who turns the lights off and, and you know, closes the shade and and doesn't uh, give the kids a treat. So. Now, now, do you give the kids the legitimate candy or are you I a do. raisins, I, granola bar type so guy? When I, when I was a kid... I always hated getting like sweet tarts, you know. Awful, and awful. Um, I wanted a candy bar. I wanted a Three Musketeers. I wanted a Milky Way, whatever. You know, those were the good houses. And back then, you know, the little miniatures were a little bigger. Uh, and that was, of course, back when you could go trick or treating without your parents. You and know, you went with a pillowcase and you hit three neighborhoods and came back with enough candy Absolutely. to kill your dentist. And that's why I was a very fat kid. <laughs> so what what do you tend to go to? Do you go for the candy bars now? Do you- uh, now I have to um, pretty much um, lock my jaws together. You know, I have my <laughs> jaws locked uh, so that I don't eat any of it. But Kit Kats, my, my okay. mother was a huge Kit Kat fan so that's kind of my weakness kit kats skittles and, and reese's peanut butter cups was Ooh, were what i grew up on skittles are good did i ever tell you the time our dog ate a whole bag of skittles the bag too pretty much everything <laughs> and not to gross you out but i mean he threw up pink for like a week it was just disgusting i thought you were going to say he threw up a rainbow uh, he did he did it was a <laughs> rainbow that dog has eaten um skittles he's eaten a flip-flop he's eaten wow um uh a significant other has needles for diabetes he ate those wow I, what's I, your vet bill look I, like oh, over the years you don't want to know it's absolutely ridiculous so anyway so don't let your dogs eat chocolate. That's a big one. That's a huge one. Never let them eat chocolate. Yeah, so we haven't done that. All right, well, we just lost about 3,000 yeah. listeners during this <laughs> Sorry about this that. Nonsense. Come back. So let's talk okay. about the Packers and the Vikings, and as usual on our Friday podcast, we'll go through the matchups. So where do you want to start, Packers offense or Packers defense? Uh, well, you know, the Vikings, their strength is their defense, so let's start with them. Uh, I think there's quite a bit to to go through there. Should we start up front with those monsters the Vikings have on that defensive line? Yeah. So at one defensive end, you're going to have Everson Griffin, and at the other one, you're going to have Daniil Hunter, the uh, up-and-coming 22-year-old. Inside, Linval Joseph, and it looks like Tom Johnson has a chance to play after he was able to practice a little bit on Thursday. That's about as good a front four as the Packers are going to see this season. Do you you agree? Yeah, it's it's pretty darn good. Uh, I'm trying to think... Um, with the schedule, whether there's anybody who will be better. But it's right up there. And, you know, you remember uh, Brian Roberson used to be really give them a lot of trouble, and he's coming off the bench. Yep. Dayton Jones wasn't good enough to make that group. And, I mean, that, that kind of says something. Anyway, 
Yeah, that that's probably the best group they're going to face, and they're on their home turf, and it's going to be a challenge, especially if Bakhtiari can't play, which I am not going to. He's going to play, but I'm not making that prediction because every week you think he's going to play, and then he doesn't. So, so even if he is able to play, you know, he's probably not going to be quite at a hundred percent yet. No. And Everson Griffin is a heck of a challenge. I mean, again, this is a very different scenario, but my first season here when they had to kick Josh Sitton mm-hmm. out to left tackle, I mean, Griffin just ate him for lunch yeah. in that game. Uh, and even a healthy Bakhtiari, Griffin could struggle, or Griffin could cause some problems to a healthy Bakhtiari. Yes. Now, you know, I, I ranked the top 53 Packers before the season, and I ranked Bakhtiari number two. And I did that for a reason, because he he is the type of guy who you can leave over on that side, and he'll block that guy all day long. He may give up a sack, he may give up a couple of pressures, but you can leave him one-on-one for the majority of the game and expect not to get your quarterback crushed. So I, I think if he can play, he'll be okay. He'll make a couple of mistakes, he'll get beat, but... If you wanted, if if you put or asked me, would they be better off with uh, Lane Taylor um, versus a uh, seventy? No, let's say eighty, eighty-five percent Bakhtiari. I'd go with the eighty-five ba- yeah. percent Bakhtiari. Me too. So if Bakhtiari is able to go, it looks like they'd have their starting five up front for the first time, first time all, all year. season. Yep. Fair to expect there'll be there could be some continuity issues, some communication issues, or are these guys veteran enough that it shouldn't really matter? Yeah, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't uh, matter. In fact, they they practiced a good deal of training camp together. They had they were pretty healthy until Balaga rolled his ankle or got his ankle rolled on or whatever it was. Uh, so I think they have plenty of experience next to each other. You know, I don't think Lane Taylor is going to seamlessly, he is going to seamlessly move back to guard. I mean, that's all he's done all his life is play guard. Well, so. he's going to demand left tackle money for he his should. next contract he now. He should. I mean, he, he's bailed them out in a huge way. He might be better than Eric Flowers at left tackle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he probably the best left, second best left tackle in the division right now. He might be. He, he could be. Um, so... You know, on the inside, they've got a mountain of a man in Linval Joseph. Yeah, he's given he's given the Packers fits. So Lindsley and Treader. My question was going to be: Does Lindsley tend to do better against the the guys that are just enormous, or the guys that are maybe a little bit smaller but more athletic? Like you know, because you mentioned that there's been yeah. times where he struggled with David Irving a little bit, yeah, I did. who looks much different than Linval Joseph. Yeah, I think he struggles with. Really athletic, yeah. Uh, big, strong guys off the snap. Now he's good with leverage, and when he's not, uh, you know, when when he's got a chance, um, he, he can do fine. But um, he can do okay against Linville Joseph. It's just going against that guy down in and down out is not easy. Not an easy job. He's going to need some help. How do you think the the roles of Lance Kendricks and Martellus Bennett will change, if at all, if they have all five offensive linemen for the first time? Well, I think we'll see Bennett more like we saw him the first two weeks when they uh, split him, played him, and I remember I tracked it, and I mean it was like 
he he was all over the place. He was played like six, eight different positions, nine different positions. Um, I, I think you could see that again. I think they'll try to get matchups. Uh, I think you'll see him and Kendricks out wide uh, together, like one on each side, see what kind of matchup they get, um, and then have two receivers in the slot. Uh, I think you'll see them with... Uh, one receiver, one tight end, uh, split out, and one in line. Some, but you know, depending on how well they're they're protecting, um, I think you want to have receivers on the field because you want to take advantage of some of the. Um, you want to get to Minnesota's third and fourth corners. Yeah, absolutely, and we we'll talk about corners in a second. Let's um, let's move back to their linebackers because there's there's not much that's going to change there because those three guys, two of them are going to play just about every snap. Mm-hmm. You look at um, inside, you've got Kendricks, and then you've got Anthony Barr on one side, and the rookie Ben Gedeon on the other side. Kendricks and Barr are the two leaders there. Barr is a guy that runs in the four fours, despite the fact that he's about six four and two fifty, and mm-hmm. looks like he could play three four D end for the Packers. And then Kendricks is just a, a tough, hard nosed guy that that has some pretty good range himself. Um, you know, what type of challenges do those backers present? Do you think? Well, the biggest challenge they face is that they all can, you know, have some blitz ability, and you don't. You almost never know which which one of them is coming. Uh, Zimmer will walk those two guys up to the line of scrimmage, and he'll make you try to guess whether everybody's coming. Uh, he'll, you know, as Alex Van Pelt um, explained on Thursday, they basically put eight guys up there and say, you know, we could bring eight and you've got seven to block them. So this is this is the threat we're posing, is eight guys coming every single time. How are you going to block that? And you never know when they actually are going to bring eight or when they're going to bring six or they're just going to rush four. Uh, so it, it is, it's a very challenging defense in that way, and they have a lot of speed too. In that regard, with all the double-A stuff that they do, the double-A gap blitzes that, you're, mm-hmm. that you were just talking about, I'm curious to see how the running backs hold up in protection if necessary because, you know, we talked about this a ton during training camp, but there haven't been too many glaring errors or huge mistakes. Mm-hmm. But coming right up the A-gap is a little bit different. you got to get there. Well, Aaron Jones did not have to block much against the Cowboys. Exactly. They didn't blitz a whole lot. He Most of his protection was helping out a guy, chipping. And so this will be a real test for him. I think the best way to put pressure on him and, and sort of take him out of the game is to load up the box and, and come after Rodgers. You know, it, it, you don't want to do that all the time, but you gotta you got to put some pressure on Aaron Jones. If Ty Montgomery is able to play, do you think it? Do you think Zimmer will be of the mind that knowing that the guy's got busted ribs or ribs that aren't fully healed yet – Let's make him protect. Let's blitz and make him pick sure. up somebody and take a shot and see how he feels. Yeah, I think they could do that. I I definitely think they'll do that with Jones, but they could do that with uh, Montgomery. I, I think if Montgomery plays, though, he's going to be somewhat of a gadget player. Agree. He's going to be moved out of the backfield. Um, 
you know, he'll, he'll probably be used on third downs, I would guess. And Jones will probably be used on early downs. That That's how I would anticipate it going. I think one storyline to sort of follow over the next couple of weeks is what happens with Jamal Williams, you know, for the rest of his his rookie year here? Because Jones played so well, and Montgomery, when he gets back, they're going to want to use him too. Can he carve out a role for himself, or is this going to amount to more of a redshirt-type deal barring injury? Yeah, it's a long year. Anything can happen. Another guy can get hurt. Jones could get hurt. Montgomery could get hurt again. Probably will. <laughs> uh, it, it's a long year. You can't. I wouldn't make any assessment on Jamal Williams. He may not have looked all that great, but I also think that uh, he's didn't he miss a year at BYU? He set out a year as yeah. junior year, right? So, I mean, he's still learning the game, and and I wouldn't give up on him yet. Maybe maybe this season he just does have a redshirt type thing. But they obviously like him enough that they tried to make him their, their number two back. No question about it. Let's uh, let's take a look at the Vikings secondary a little bit. And again, you know, you're not going to see much drop off in terms of ability. On one side, they're going to line up Xavier Rhodes, who he got a big payday over the summer, or was it during camp? Do you remember? I can't remember when it was. But they paid him, and so he's paid he's like a, a number one. corner. He's he's right there in the top five corners in the league, I think. Opposite him would be Trey Waynes. I think he was a first-round pick maybe two years ago mm-hmm. or three years ago from Michigan State. Local kid. He's from Racine, I believe. Okay. Racine or Kenosha, I can't remember. Absolute burner. Ran him like 4-3 yeah. flat, but has some other... Uh, deficiencies that we can talk about in a second. Their slot man is the forty. I mean, thirty-nine-year-old mm-hmm. Terrence Newman, who Just keeps on ticking. Have you ever seen a thirty-nine-year-old corner? Uh, not since like Daryl Green played till he was like forty-two. Um, not recently. How old, How old was Woodson, Woodson when he switched to safety? Yeah, I don't. Know. I don't know either. But 39 is is no joke. And then they have their first-round pick or second-round pick, I can't remember, from uh, last year. Mackenzie Alexander Mm -hmm. from Clemson is their their fourth corner. So when you look at that group, you mentioned um, Rhodes as being a bona fide number one. What makes him so strong? Really long arms. You know, I did that uh, long arms story about the Packers secondary, and I was looking up arm lengths, and his were just off the charts, like 34 inches, 34 and a half, or something ridiculous. And he can run, and he's smart, uh, very competitive, quick. Uh, he's he's gonna he's the kind of guy who can you can put on one side and or on one receiver and shut him down. You can put him just. In one position and or in the slot, you can do all kinds of things with him, and he will he, he will make it tough to complete a pass against him. To me, he kind of has the body type and the um, the skill set that the Packers are hoping Kevin King can develop into a mm-hmm. guy that has the size to play big receivers, has the arm length to to win you know jam battles at the line of scrimmage, and yet still has the ability to run with guys you know that might be smaller or anything like that. Now I know uh, Rhodes got torched earlier this year by Antonio Brown, but you know who doesn't? Yeah, um, and, yeah. and so I don't know. Are, are the smaller guys you know problematic for him? Um, I I think everybody gets beaten at some t- point. You know, it, it, it's no shame in getting beat by an, 
Antonio Brown. He carried your fantasy team last year. Yeah, he did. And I don't I don't remember that game very well. I don't I don't think I actually watched it. So I would like to go back and look at and see what happened. But uh yeah, probably quicker receivers give him a little more trouble because he's a big he's six one, something like that. He's a big receiver with long arm or receiver, cornerback with big arms or long arms and um he probably you know, you probably don't want him in the slot against Randall Cobb, you know, but that uh that'll be interesting to see. We talked about this a little bit the other day and I mentioned that I think that Terrence Newman uh, when he plays in the slot in their nickel, I think is a, is a guy that could be exposed a little bit by Cobb. I just think that you know, for the ways that Cobb succeeds with some of these second reaction plays and scramble things and and all those types of uh, maneuvers, I just think a 39 year old corner, even with a guy as athletic as Newman was in his prime, I don't know. That to me would be an area of concern if I'm Mike Zimmer. Didn't didn't Jordy Nelson? tear him up uh, last year out here in well he was uh, playing outside last year and because they weren't really playing Waynes at all so he was on one side Rhodes was on the other and then I can't remember if they were playing but oh and then they had uh, what's his name they had Captain Munnerlin as their slot yeah last year. that's right but so I can't remember who matched up with yeah Nelson. I think I think um, Nelson beat Munnerlin but also they they that was the game where Rhodes was supposed to be following Nelson all around and he between him and Newman decided, oh, no, that's not fair. We want I, I want my buddy Newman to be covering Nelson, <laughs> and then Nelson just went off on him. So, uh, yeah, I mean that that's a matchup the Packers are going to have to take advantage of. Last year, they went after Waynes and got some um, uh, penalty calls, but he also picked off Rogers. Yeah, he had some PIs and he had that pick. Yeah, so uh, he he's. You know, he's going to be someone to deal with. Um, it may be better that, you know, this may be a game where the tight ends are more of a factor than the receivers are, where maybe the matchups with the tight ends are better. Well, there could be some times when those tight ends are matched up on safeties. And when it comes to the Viking safeties, they've got Harrison Smith and uh, Andrew Sandejo. Now, Sandejo has not practiced this mm-hmm. week at all. Um, if he doesn't go, I think that's a pretty big loss for them. Not because he's you know some kind of a world beater, but paired with Smith, I just think those guys are a pretty solid tandem. Yeah, Sandejo is a guy who I think, you know, if Harrison Smith is playing near the line of scrimmage, which he does a lot, you, you need to have someone who can really challenge Sandejo. And I think that the Packers do. I think they can make some hay back there. If Harrison Smith stays back, then that's a little bit of a different story. I think I think Zimmer mixes it up so much that you never know who's going to be where. And uh, it's really just going to be sort of like uh, Edgar Bennett said on Thursday, sometimes you just have to worry about what you do and not worry about what they do. And I think that's kind of where the Packers are. They need to let the Vikings match up with them how they want and then run their offense. We teased to it a little bit earlier in the week, but can you give a little bit of a hint of what readers can expect on Sunday when it comes to your analysis piece leading into the game? Because yeah. I think that's pretty pertinent to what we're talking about now. Um, it's just going to look at... So the question I'm going to raise is, if you're the Minnesota Vikings and you're going to put Xavier Rhodes on one person, who's it going to be? 
So I'm not going to give you that answer. You've got to read my story on Sunday. But uh, it, it's very interesting. I talked to some people around the league and asked for their opinions on that. And uh, it, I expect Rhodes to be on someone, I think, full-time. We'll see if that actually happens. But, you know, whether it'll be um, Nelson, Adams, even Cobb, I don't know. But we'll see. So I don't know who you spoke with or what they said, so I'm not privy to anything that will come out in the column. But mm-hmm. my, my thought, if I'm Zimmer, is I put him on Adams. And the reason for that is because Adams wins so many of his routes within the first couple yards of the line of scrimmage with mm-hmm. his footwork and his amazing ability to get off the line of scrimmage that I want to see if he can do that against a guy that has long arms that are going to smack him in the chest. Right. And if if Rhodes can be across the line of scrimmage and jam him or disrupt him, we've already seen that Adams does not have the speed to burn people in flat-out foot races. Mm-hmm. He needs that tenth or two-tenths of a second at the line of scrimmage. So if I'm Zimmer, I put him on uh, Adams rather than Nelson, but to see the the people with more intelligence than I have about football, you'll have to read Tom's column on Sunday. It'll probably be posted on our website late Saturday, uh, yeah. so be sure to check e- that out. Either way, it'll be really fun to watch how Rhodes operates because you can't just bump and run a guy a whole ga- the whole game. You know, you have to know when to do it. You have to mix it up a little bit. I remember. Adams when I was talking about to him about Kevin King and he's like he can't do it every down if I he's like if I know the guy is going to jam me every single time he said I'll counter and and catch 300 yards you know if I know the guy's going to do the same thing every time he can counter it uh so I I think Rhodes is a better player than that where he he can mix things up and that's what makes a really good corner where they can make it look like it's going to be press and then bail out or vice versa so that'll whoever he's on it'll be a good matchup or maybe he'll just go rogue and do whatever he wants to do again like he supposedly did at Lambeau Field last year yeah maybe it'll be Jeff Janis maybe Jeff Janis will play the whole game and and they'll just put him on Jeff Janis well if he knew what was coming every time it'd be 400 yards not 300 (laughs) like Adam said all right let's flip over to the other side of the ball and look at the Vikings offense against the Packers defense. So I asked Dom Capers on Thursday what he saw out of this rebuilt, retooled offensive line. Mm-hmm. They spent a ton of money on left tackle Riley Reef, formerly yeah. of the Lions, and they spent a good chunk of money on Mike Remmers to play right tackle from Carolina. Mm-hmm. Inside, they drafted Pat Elfline in the third round from Ohio State. They've got the old veteran Joe Berger at right guard. And left guard will either be Nick Easton or Jeremiah Searles, probably, because Easton uh, has not practiced. When you look at that line and the money invested, is it a significant upgrade or is it not that great? No, it's significant because their offensive line was ghastly last year. I mean, it was was horrendous. Um, I've never been a huge Riley Reef fan, but... Uh, he brings some stability. Well, there goes my Christmas gift. I had his jersey all picked out for oh, you, Tom. Oh, man. Gosh. I, I'm a party pooper. Uh, I'll take him over uh, Khalil any day of the week. Yeah, no I mean, question. that guy is a penalty machine. Uh, Remmers is better than I can't even remember who they had over there. It started they out trotted Phil everybody through, yeah. and then he got hurt. They had Long playing left tackle for a game. Yeah. They had Boone playing left tackle. They had all kinds of issues. Yeah, so they, I think they've upgraded a lot. And 
you know, if Elfline's anything like Lindsley, which he probably is, you know, same cut from the same kind of cloth, I I, I expect them to be pretty decent. I, I didn't think they got, um, you know, trucked by Chicago, and Chicago no. has a pretty good defensive line. You know, Bradford was like a sitting duck back there, and, and I don't think that safety was the line's fault and uh, and that other sack where you know the center got pushed back and and Bradford just crumpled to the ground I I don't put that on the offensive line no especially not the safety I think they ran the um they did like the clock you know to see how long he held it and it was like 6.25 seconds in the end zone which is just crazy for a guy with as much experience as Bradford but I don't think we're going to see Bradford this weekend I I think it's going to be Case Keenum um now look you know when the coaches talk to us, I've never heard anybody get up there and insult another player or say this guy's terrible. Mm-hmm. But I was a little bit I don't know. I was I thought Dom Capers was a little bit more um I don't know, just impressed with, with Case Keenum than I thought he would be. Um he said he likes the guy's mobility, he said that he's playing, you know, the best he's played in his career, which that part is true. But I don't know, what do you make of this guy? Well, I think he's um Far gladder to face him than Dak Prescott. Yeah, you know? no question. Uh, he won't have to worry about chasing him around quite as much. Uh, you know, Keenum, he stabilized them on Monday night. I thought as soon as he came in, all of a sudden they weren't a disaster. You know, they were not a juggernaut, but at least he gave them a chance to win. And Minnesota's going to win with its defense. And so. What they get with their offense is, is a bonus at this point. <laughs> you know, with Bradford, they're a better offensive team and they're a little bit kind of dangerous. But with Keenum, I think, you know, he, what can you say? He, he's a backup quarterback and that's who they're playing with. Is he better than Hundley, do you think? Wow. Well, we haven't really seen Hundley play, no. so I really don't know what to say about that. Uh, I, right now, Case Keenum is because he's playing and he's had some success. I don't know about Hundley. I, I have zero idea whether Hundley can play. So when you look at the offensive line of the Vikings and then you sort of you know put it across the line of scrimmage from what the Packers are going to mm-hmm. have, what jumps out to you as an area for the Packers to potentially have some success? Because I look at you know whether or not Easton plays I just think that Mike Daniels could could maybe slip through some gaps there both against a rookie in Elfline the center and left guard do you think he could have a, a yeah, nice game and Berger too I think he's he's uh too powerful for extremely powerful for Berger I think Kenny Clark could have a really nice game yeah uh I think I, I don't know about the outside pass rush Perry Perry's uh, played Riley Reef and he's had some some really good games against Riley Reef. That is true. And uh, I think you'll see him play that side a lot, and that'll be a matchup that the Packers will expect to win. Still wearing the club, we saw him in practice on Wednesday, club, and he was yeah. wearing like a padded glove. But then when they put the pads on on Thursday, he had the club again. So it seems like he's still going to have that for this week, but. I mean, I agree with you. I think him against Reef is a matchup that the Packers would like. And honestly, you know, with Remmers being more of a road grader than an athlete, I almost think that they probably feel pretty happy about Clay Matthews against him too. Yeah. Clay Matthews has, to me, has been 
um, better when he's moving around. Uh, you know, if Rummers can kind of get get a rhythm going against Matthews, he can stop him. But uh, they'll try to use his speed on Rummers and, and try to get him around the corner. I do think they could blitz some, too. I, I think this could be a, a game where you'll see a lot of, if Rollins plays in the slot, if Kevin King can't play or Randall, I think you're going to see some blitzing out of the slot position quite a bit. I think they're going to try to make McKinnon block, and I think they're going to try to make Keenum hurry up. Well, I wrote a story in today's paper about Quentin Rollins, about how he, the Packers, I think, sort of have a little bit of a a conundrum is what I called it when it comes to Rollins, because when you look at the, the mental side of the game in terms of intelligence, in terms of the amount of time he puts in to study the game, you know, the fact that he's generally in the right place at the right mm-hmm. time. I think that they would like to have him on the field when it comes to intangibles, maybe more so than a Demarius Randall. But the problem is he doesn't have the speed or the athleticism or the hands of Randall. And so he's kind of in a spot where, like, I just don't know where he fits best anymore. Yeah. He well, doesn't play best outside and in the slot against real tricky slot guys he gets burned and and we found out too that he's hurt McCarthy put that out there on Thursday that Rollins is hurt and he was on the injury report for an ankle last week this is a guy who can't afford to be hurt exactly you know he doesn't have enough margin of error to be hurt so when we saw him at the start of camp and he was playing really well, he was healthy. Yep. And as soon as he gets hurt, he just can't, you know, uh, hang in there. And he's still learning the game. You know, I was surprised to hear on that touchdown that he allowed. I asked Capers about it, and he said that the problem was he, he used the wrong leverage. Yep. He, he levered them uh, outside the inside. And he was supposed to take the inside leverage. So how do you not know that? I, I, I don't really understand that. I mean, I guess it's you learn um, instinct, but you're supposed to kind of know that. You know, you know, one of the things that people talk about now is how 40-yard dash times can be really relevant or really irrelevant, depending on the conversation. With the stuff that he likes to do, I think it's it's pretty relevant. And so I was looking at everything, and he is now by far the slowest corner they have on their roster. Mm-hmm. He ran 4-5-4. Now that Gunter's gone. Exactly. That's what I said. And the next two guys are Pipkins at Randall at 4-4-6. Wow. So he's essentially a tenth of a second slower than everybody else. And that might not sound like a lot, but that's a lot in, mm-hmm. in this game. Um, and so he, like you said, he has very little margin for error. But where Rollins has played really well lately is against the run yeah. and blitzing. He had one play against Dallas where he sliced into the backfield and split between Tyron Smith and Jason Witten yeah. to bring down Elliott for a loss of two. That was a really good play. Then he had another play where he was in zone coverage in the flat on the right, and he saw a play-action bootleg to Terrence Williams, who was not his receiver. Mm-hmm. He broke off Beasley and tackled... Terrence Williams, a bigger receiver, upended him uh, by the legs for a gain of four. And so it's a guy that I think 
is playing with impressive physicality for somebody that I thought was a little tentative early in his career. Well, he, he made that play on third and twelve too. Yeah, where he he knocked down Terrence Williams with an short arm of the marker. Yep. After Blake Martinez missed the tackle, and that was a huge, huge stop for the Packers. They Dallas had to punt, and uh, if I recall, the Packers drove down either for a field goal, maybe there. Either way, it was a huge stop. He just he was the last line, and he made the stop. So, yeah, he tackled pretty well in that game. His playing time is, is way down from where it was a year ago. And, you know, I looked at so far so far this season he's played 38% of snaps. He was healthy for the first four games last year before he messed up his groin. And in mm-hmm. those four games he was playing 83% of snaps. I mean, the playing time is essentially inverted from what it was yeah. last year. And, you know, part of it is because King is here and House is here. The other part of it is I think that there's just – there's not a lot of matchups that go in his favor right now when it comes to one-on-one. Um, so I don't know. I mean, what do you think? If, if he's there and Randall's there, who plays more? I, I, th- I still it's think it's Randall. Randall. Yeah. yeah, it's got to be Randall. Uh, maybe Rollins can – no. I was going to say maybe Rollins could match up with Thielen in the slot, but no. Thielen's too good of a route runner. He, he would – I think he'd destroy Rollins. So they might be able to – play you know play some dime with Randall and Rollins and move them around and blitz them off the slot or you know maybe they play Rollins in the slot blitz them and then play zone you know some sort of right. zone behind it or or have the safeties pick up the slot guy and I don't know if you can play him in the red zone either because any quick short two yard routes I just don't trust his acceleration yeah it's hard when he gets isolated uh to a side yeah that's tough uh I don't know but you know it also depends on how Randall plays this Very guy true. got turned around like a top by Stefan Diggs last year when he was healthy yeah yeah. And that was that. Well, that was the game that he hurt his groin. Yeah, he I got think. hurt. Yeah, but okay. Still, he. Yeah, that was really ugly. So when you look at the rest of the the Vikings defense, you know Diggs did not practice either day. Excuse me, the Vikings offense rather. Diggs did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Told reporters he plans to play, mm-hmm. but I mean we've heard guys say they plan to play and then they don't. If he doesn't play, I don't know where the Vikings go yes. to get yards on not, offense. Not Laquan Treadwell, that's no. for sure, and even though he played some. Can you count on Michael Floyd like a week and a half after he got well, activated? actually, I think he played pretty well in this Bears game, and I do think that he can be a factor. I think I think he would uh, – I think he's got a chance to have a decent game. Uh, I thought he was – He. it sounds like – they were pleased with him in the first game. And from what I saw, um, he did look pretty decent. So is he? he's not Stefan Diggs, but he does give them a, a legitimate receiver opposite Thielen. It's just, okay, so then who's your who's your third? Jerry is right, I guess. So a speed burner, you know, but you're just not very – they're just not very deep there. And, you know, the Packers – if the Packers can get Kevin King back, then 
then they'll be at a, an advantage. If he's not, then it's a toss-up because you never know which De- Demarius Randall you're going to get. So for the last couple of years, when it comes to covering tight end Kyle Rudolph, they've been using either Morgan Burnett or two years ago Micah Hyde. Yeah. Now Burnett, I think there's a pretty good chance he's out for I this week. I think he's out. I do. If yeah. he doesn't play, can that- you trust Kentrell Bryce on Rudolph? Because that's a matchup that I think the Vikings would lick their lips for. Maybe, but I think you're going to see some nitro. Yeah, and I think you exactly. can see Josh Jones on him quite a bit. Uh, I think you'll see some of that four three, and I think yep. you'll see some zone where, uh, you know, Matthews and and Martinez are dropping back and Ryan, and they're forcing them to throw everything underneath. So I think they'll mix it up. And normally, I think they'd go nitro with Burnett up at the line of scrimmage and just let him handle Rudolph. And so Josh Jones wouldn't play very much because then Bryce would be deep. He could play for Bryce in some instances. Or, you know, when they go dime, they go Josh Jones and Burnett. Yep. So they could do that. But, uh, yeah, I don't think Burnett's going to play, and I think that's – I think that's dangerous, uh, not having him. I think you you either tweeted it or you wrote it in a story yesterday about how if King and Burnett are both out, that's half your starting secondary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. I mean, how big of a, a problem would it be if both of those guys are out? It's a problem, and I don't know what's going on with Clinton Dix. We talked about that earlier, but he, you know, I don't know if he's hurt or what, but he's going to have to pick it up a little bit. And Bryce, you know... he. He's just – he's got limitations in coverage. And so, yeah, that could be that could be a big problem. If if King – King solves a lot of your problems. You know, when they've got King and House together, you at least have the outside uh, manned reliably. Now, the one area we haven't talked about yet is whether or not the Vikings can run on this Packers mm-hmm. defense. We're probably going to see a split of Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Now, that ended up being mostly McKinnon against the Bears because Murray was, I don't want to say ineffective, but just didn't do anything to, to you know, make your eyes open up. Um, you know, what do you think about, you know, those two backs? One is a big, tall guy that has an upright running style. Another one, McKinnon, they've seen a number of times is more of that scat receiver back. Can they get anything going with those two guys? I, I don't know how you could go with anyone but McKinnon. At this point, I, I thought Latavius Murray, you know, he sort of was the equivalent of Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, you know. Yeah. Jamal Williams runs right into the line, no, you know, one yard, two yard. Latavius Murray was doing the same. McKinnon is really quick. Uh, he's he, he's not a, he's not what you would normally think of as a three down back but I think he can be at least in the short term and I think he ran really he ran hard he ran hard and physically against the Bears and on turf I think he's going to be even more dangerous and I'm very interested to see how they use him too now you know, capers can put a lot of pressure on them by blitzing and making him stay in. No question. They can also motion him out. Um, he, he's kind of an X factor for them. And, you know, I think that Josh Jones, when he's been out on the field, has really taken some of the pressure off Martinez or Ryan because those guys were put in some really tough matchups over the years. I mean, I remember 
I can't remember if it was the playoff game in Arizona or the regular season game in Arizona my first year when Jake Ryan got matched up with David Johnson, and that was just a nightmare. And then there were times when Blake Martinez would bite on play action last year. And so the ability to just sort of have a guy in in Josh Jones that can, can just take the more athletic players, and even if he does bite on play action, he's got the speed and change of direction, I think it's taken a huge load off the plate of Martinez. Yeah, I think if if Mar- if someone makes a mistake, I think this is true throughout their secondary. If someone makes a mistake, their speed can mitigate it a little bit. And you see Jones, you'll see you'll see I think I made this observation a long time ago in camp that for once you see like three guys converge on yeah. a single person it's because they have speed josh hawkins kevin king um josh jones those guys can run and they can get to the ball and and so you have a little bit larger margin of error when you've got some speed do you think that um well i guess in the this is more of a a broad question but do you think that joe thomas has much of a place on this team anymore if and when he comes back from that ankle injury well yeah, it, I mean, for one, he's a really good special teams player, True. so they would use him there. I, I do think they'd like him on the field as a dime linebacker when uh, they go with Jones and Burnett and uh, Bryce and uh, Clinton Dix and then the two corners. So because he can still he can still blitz and he can still run with a tight end. Uh, yeah, I do think he has a place, but. We haven't even seen hide nor hair of him. Hardly. I saw him. I saw him yesterday. Oh, you did. I saw him Thursday, and he was out of his cast. He was. He was so earlier this week. We saw him in a full, wow. full blown hard cast, and he was on a wheel scooter, so he couldn't walk. He walked by me in the locker room, and he had sneakers on, not even like a boot. Wow. Sneakers. He was walking very gingerly, still limping. Mm-hmm. And I said, "Wow, look at you!" And he goes, "I know. Look at me." Wow. Uh, so Maybe I don't know it's if only he's a couple weeks. Then I have no idea out. where he's at, but uh, I was just curious what they would do with his roster spot if it suddenly became, you know, slightly dispensable. Well, they're going to need a spot for Vince Beagle. Uh, there's no way they are not going to get Vince Beagle on the roster at some right. point. Right. They can Lindsey Pipkin survive again, Tom? Boy, man, if if he can, I want to buy some stock in him. Because, Seriously, you know he is he is Teflon. If that if that's the case, but uh, yeah, I, in fact, Vince Beagle is eligible to come back after this game. They won't activate him, and we have to find out when they'll start the clock. They have three weeks to start the clock. Of a three-week window, so it's a total of six weeks essentially. He, they if could they as, want, they could wait. I mean, in, just to explain it to people, they could wait till the very end of the three weeks, activate him. Then they have three more weeks. Correct. So in theory, he could not be available until week twelve or thirteen. Twelve. Twelve. Yeah. But that's not going to happen. I was just explaining it to right. to everyone. Oh well, you never know. But Goodson could fall into that category. Correct. They could on. On Wednesday, practice Beagle and start the clock. Yeah. Maybe they want him, you know, to get going. Maybe they don't want to wait any longer, and they feel, you know, he's too valuable. I think you got to find out about him. 
I think the more pass rushers you have, especially with Ahmad Brooks's back flaring up now, that's an injury that would worry me if I were the Packers. Yeah, he uh, he didn't practice at all on Thursday. He practiced on a lim- or no, he didn't practice at all Wednesday either. Right. So he wasn't able to go at all this week. Um, you know, you could tell just by watching it was bothering him in Dallas. Back injuries are no joke. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays. Yeah, out. I don't think he plays Sunday. Anything else? on either side of the ball or special teams that you want to touch on? Well, you know, Minnesota always has good returners. Yep. Uh, Marcus Sherrills is very dangerous. Um, they're going to need Vogel to to get some hang time and Janice to be on his game. Uh, also, the Packers kicking game, the field goal and extra point operation has to be cleaned up because they can't keep going missing extra points. You know, it's killing them. Uh, it almost killed them in, in the Dallas game. So, And you had a chance to talk to Crosby on Thursday. Just real quick, what did he have to say about I that? I did. Uh, I actually talked to him and uh, the long snapper, Tabor Pepper. Pepper, you know, took the blame, said his first snap was uh, the laces weren't where they should have been, and, and um, Vogel had to... Uh, you know, turn the laces and the operation got kind of screwed up. Then he tried to account for that bad snap and change something, and it went worse. <laughs> and so then his second snap was even worse. It's like uh, when I try and change my stories, you know. They you, just get worse yeah, and worse. Yeah, or, you know, it's like when you take a mulligan, at, you know, playing golf, you know, because you think, well, that first one I shanked it, you know, now I'm going to change it up, and then you hit it the other direction, you know. So... uh He's got to get he's got to get his act together. And uh, Crosby, he's a veteran. You know he's going to do it the same way every week. And I don't think you have to worry about him. I think you have to worry about the the snapping and holding operation. So now we got to make our predictions. Your favorite part of this podcast? Do I make predictions? I don't know. I did last week. You make your prediction. I All right. Do some. Dumb video prediction. Well, I gotta do that too. But, know, but I'm taking the the Packers. I going into the season, if Bradford was healthy and you know Diggs was ready to play, I had this penciled in as a loss for the Packers. I yeah. think the Vikings are too tough on turf, too tough at home. But I just don't think Case Keenum can can keep pace, even if the Vikings defense plays well. I think they might need either a huge turnover or a defensive score or something. So. I'm taking the Packers, and I will take them, uh, let's see, let's pull numbers out of a hat, 20 to 13. 20 to 13, okay. That's what do you think, Tom? You're going to give that. anybody an uh, indication? I'm going to say, so I um, was in the same boat. I, you know, before the season I did uh, wins, losses, wins, losses, and this was a loss. I took, I had them losing here, and I had them losing in Detroit, and I think I had them losing in Pittsburgh. And I, I felt like they were going to win in Dallas. Um, and, no, I must have had them losing in Atlanta, too. What did I pick them, 12 and 4? Yeah. Yeah. So those were my four losses. Uh, I think they'll end up winning this game for the exact reasons you just stated. The only way they they don't is turnovers. If they if Rogers throws some bad interceptions and Montgomery or Jones or anybody's fumbling, then then they got some problems. But if they can hold on to the ball, then I think they got a chance to win. Well, there you have it. 
you can go and go to Las Vegas and bet on it and take that to the bank. Please don't do that. Please do not take What's anything What's your record in the I picks say? this year? Oh, shut up. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll be heading to Minneapolis on Saturday, flying over there. And uh, in honor of Minneapolis, we chose a Prince song. Yes, we did. What you, would you pick out this week? Uh, we picked Let's Work. So right. that's exactly what we picked. Yes. So this was a rare case where I allowed a repeat artist on the podcast. Yeah, well, we've done that twice. We've done we it did twice. It yesterday, too. But it's for those of week. you who haven't paid attention, I have fought as hard as I could to make sure that we don't repeat any artist, let alone any song. And so we've only done it three times in, in my two and a half years on the podcast. Stevie Wonder twice. Uh, what did we do yesterday? We did uh, Carl Carlton. Yes, twice. Carl Carlton twice of all people, and now um, classic and now Prince are. twice. Yeah. So well, Prince, we're going to Minneapolis. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have some Prince for Minneapolis. So I think this is the longest we've ever talked on this. So let's let's yeah we're at we're almost at an hour. So let's uh, let's wow. say goodbye. And, uh, I hope you had a good workout, you know, an I, hour. Man, you're in good shape now. Yeah, so be sure to check all of our coverage on PackersNews.com and JSOnline.com all weekend long. Pump the live blog. Tell yep, them. live blog. Be there. <laughs> Sunday afternoon on the live blog. Brand new podcast Monday morning. Until then, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. 